We're going to be learning in Chidusha Ben Ochaim Halevi, the 13th piece in Olchus Tumas Meis. This is Parak Chaf Dalet, Halacha Dalet. And Rab Chaim's going to be explaining the approach of the Rambam versus the Raivid in interpreting earlier sources that deal with the Halacha, that Tuma that's swallowed in a wall, it depends which area it's closer to. So let's say there's a wall between two houses. If the Tuma's in the wall, whichever house it's closer to is Tameh, and the other house is Tameh. So Rab Chaim is going to explain the approach of the Rambam versus the Raivid in understanding the Mishnah and the Tosefta that deal with this halacha. The Rambam writes, Kosal Shabain Shnei Batim, if there's a wall that divides between two houses, Vetumah Besocha Kosal, and there's Tumah within the wall. So Bayis Akarav Latumah Tameh, Vakarav Latara Tahar. So the house that's closer to the Tumah, let's say the Tumah is more on the left side. So the left house is Tameh, the right side is Tahar. Haisa Mechza Lamechza, Shnehem Tameyin. If the Tumah is right in the middle, so neither one is closer or further, so then they're both Tameh. If there's a floor between the attic and the house, and the tuma is in the floor. So again, the same halacha. If it's closer to the downstairs, so downstairs is tame and upstairs is tahor. If it's closer to the upstairs, so then upstairs is tame and downstairs is tahor. And if it's right in the middle, then they're both tame. The third case is let's say there's a roof so there's nothing on top of it. There are not two floors. There's just one floor and then there's a roof and on top of it is open air and there's tuma inside of that roof. So If the tuma is on the lower half of the roof, so then inside of the house is tame and anyone standing on the roof, even directly above the tuma is tahor. Because the tuma went down into the house, it does not go up so anyone standing on the roof is going to be totally tahor. But if the tuma was on the upper half of the roof, so then habayis tahor v'haomid milamala kenegra tuma tame. Then the house is tahor because the tuma is not considered in the house. Instead, it goes upwards above the roof. So anyone standing on the roof directly above the tuma is going to be tame. And again, if it's right in the middle, mechza lemechza. So the same rule as the first two cases: habayis tame v'haomid milamala kenegra tuma tame sharei efshalit samtsim. The house is tame, and anyone standing on the roof on top of the tuma is also tame because we can't be sure exactly where the Tumah went. And now the fourth case is the parallel case regarding a wall that opens into open space. So it doesn't open into another house, but on the other side of the house is open space. And there's Tumah in this wall. If it's on the inner part of the wall towards the house, so the house is Tameh, and anyone standing on top of the wall is Tahor, Ka'omid al Same as the case where someone's standing on the roof of the house, since the Tumah is closer to the house, so it goes down and not up. So similarly, in this case, the Tumah from the wall goes into the house and not up. So anyone standing on top of the wall is going to be Tahor. If the Tumah is on the outer part of the wall, so then inside the house is Tahor because the Tumah does not go in there. But anyone standing on top of the wall becomes Tameh because since the Tumah didn't go into the house, instead it goes up. So anyone standing above the Tumah is going to become Tameh. But now in the final case, there's a little bit of a change. If the Tumah is right in the middle, anyone in the house is Tameh, but anyone standing on top of the wall in this case is Tahor, even though the Tumah is right in the middle, because since the Tumah goes into the house, it does not go up. So anyone standing on top is still Tahor. So the Rambam in setting up the whole framework of these cases is clear that there's a difference between the case of the roof versus the wall in a situation where the tumma is exactly 50% in the middle. So when it comes to the roof, even though the whole house is Tameh, someone standing on top of the tumma is also Tameh. But in the case of the wall, even though the whole house is 
is Tameh, someone standing on top of the wall is not Tameh. So Rab Chaim asks that this distinction is not reflected in the earlier Mishnayos and sources that deal with this issue. The Mishnah in Olos chapter 6 says, Gabi Kosal Shula Avir, in the case of a wall that goes into open space, Mechza al Mechza, if the Tumah is in the middle, so Habay is Tameh, the house becomes Tameh, the Haomed Milamala, but someone standing on top of this wall is a debate. Reb Meir holds that they're still Tameh, and the Chachamim hold that they're Tahor. Now the Tosefta there records the same debate regarding the roof. So if there's a Ma'aziva, and the Tumah is exactly 50% of the way in the middle, so Habayis Tameh, the whole house underneath it becomes Tameh, the Ha'omed Milamala, someone standing on top of the roof, on top of the Tumah, Reb Meir Metameh, Reb Shimon Metaher. Again, the same debate, Reb Meir holds their Tameh, and Reb Shimon holds their Tahor. So basically, there's a consistent debate here. Reb Meir always holds that even though the Tumah goes from the roof or the wall into the house, even so, it still goes up. So someone standing on the roof or the wall on top of the Tumah is going to be Tameh. And Reb Shimon slash the Chachamim holds that in both those cases, since the Tumah goes into the house, it does not go up. So someone standing on the roof or the wall, even directly above the Tumah, is Tahor. And that's how the Rash in his commentary understands it, that this is a consistent debate, both for the roof and the wall. So now the question on the Rambam is, why when it comes to the roof, does he rule like Reb Meir, that the person is Tameh, and when it comes to the wall, he rules like the Chachamim and Reb Shimon, that the person is Tahor. So Reb Chaim makes an interesting suggestion that maybe the Rambam felt there was some significance to the fact that in the Mishnah dealing with the wall, the view is attributed to the Chachamim, which sounds like plural, so the majority of the rabbis felt that the person standing on it was Tahor, whereas in the Tosefta dealing with the roof, it's attributed to Reb Shimon, which is singular. So it sounds like the majority of the rabbis did not agree with him, only Reb Shimon felt that the person was Tahor. So because of this very careful reading that in the Mishnah the Chachamim are quoted, whereas in the Tosefta, Reb Shimon, only one rabbi is quoted, so the Rambam felt that these are not identical views, and the majority of the rabbis felt that in the case of the wall, the person standing on top of it is Tahor, but a majority did not feel that in the case of the roof, the person standing on top of it is Tahor. So that's why the Rambam rules in accordance with the majority that when it comes to the wall, the person is Tahor. When it comes to the roof, they're not. So according to this suggestion, the Rambam disagrees with the Rosh that these two debates are equivalent, and he holds that there's a difference based on the different names that are quoted in the two sources. So this is an interesting suggestion, but Rab Chaim rejects it because what logical basis could there be to differentiate? Once we see that the rules are basically the same, whether it's a roof or a wall, so if the Tumah is closer to the house, it goes into the house, if it's closer to the outside, then it goes up. So once we see that these two cases are basically equivalent in halacha, they have the same framework, so why should there be a difference when it comes to the case where the Tumah is right in the middle? If the Chachamim hold in the case of the wall that the person on top is Tahor, then why shouldn't they hold the same thing in the case of the roof? So logically, it has to be that Reb Shimon and the Chachamim are the same view, and in both cases, they disagree with Reb Meir, who holds the person on top is Tameh, and the majority of the rabbis held that they're Tahor. So now now we're back to the question on the Rambam, why in the case of the roof does he rule that the person is Tameh? Now this last step is an interesting discussion in Rab Chaim because we find this situation all over where the Mishnah will refer to the Chachamim, the majority of the rabbis, and then elsewhere another source will identify one particular rabbi, and we generally assume, like Rab Chaim concludes, that this is the same view. The Mishnah is calling it the Chachamim in order to show that a majority of the rabbis agreed with whoever it was, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yosef, whoever it was. So this is the setup all over, that one source will identify a particular rabbi that said something, and then the Mishnah or another source might call it the Chachamim in order to show that a majority agreed with them. So even the fact that Rab Chaim would suggest that maybe there's a distinction is itself an interesting idea. So now, in order to explain this distinction in the Rambam, Rab Chaim suggests a more conceptual answer, and that's based on understanding what exactly is the debate between Rab Meir and the Chachamim. So the Mishnah quote that in the case
place where the wall goes out into open space and there's Tumah 50% directly in the middle. So inside the house is definitely Tameh. And Reb Meir says anyone standing on top of the wall is also Tameh and the Chachamim hold their Tahor. So the Rash explains that the debate is that according to Reb Meir, we follow two stringencies. So not only does the Tumah permeate throughout the whole house, but it also goes up. Whereas according to the Chachamim, we follow the logic, which is that since the Tumah went into the house, it does not go up. But the Vilna Gon seems to understand this a little bit differently because in his commentary on the Mishnah, El Yerabah, he writes, Chachamim Dahacha Kisvarad Rab Yehuda Da'aruba Perik Yud Mishnah Gimel. He claims that the view of the Chachamim in this Mishnah is parallel to the view of Rabbi Yehuda in the Mishnah later on, chapter 10, Mishnah 3, which records another debate between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda in a case where half the Tumah is under the house and half the Tumah is under a window, like a chimney. So Rabbi Meir holds that everything becomes Tameh. Inside the house is Tameh and on top of the window is also Tameh. Rabbi Yehuda holds that only inside the house is Tameh, not on top of the window. So the Vilna Gaon understands that in the case where the Tumah is 50% right in the middle of the wall, it's the equivalent of as if the Tumah is split in half. Half of it is in the house and half of it is under the window. It's the exact same case as that of later on in chapter 10. So that's why Reb Meir holds that the Tumah applies in both places. It goes both inside the house as well as up. Whereas the Chachamim in chapter 6 and Rabbi Yehuda in chapter 10, they hold that the Tumah only goes into the house, but it does not go up. So unlike the Rash who understands that the Tumah is considered one combined piece, and the question is which direction does it travel in, according to the Vilna Gaon, the Tumah is considered two different pieces. It's like it's split up and half of it is in the house and half is in the wall. Now, says Rab Chaim, if we read the Rambam's language carefully, so it appears that he understands this debate like the Vilna Gaon and not like the Rash. Because the Rambam explained the reason why a person standing on top of the wall is not Tameh is because since the Tumah went into the house, so it doesn't go up. Now, according to the Rash, his explanation of Reb Meir, so this reason is not sufficient because the Rash says that according to Reb Meir, even though the Tumah goes inside, it also goes up. It goes in both directions. So even if the Rambam is saying that the Tumah goes into the house, it could still go up through the wall as well. So how does it explain? why the person standing on top of the wall is Tahar like the Chachamim and unlike Reb Meir. But according to the Vilna Gaon, this explanation does make sense because since he sees this case as if the Tumah is half in the house and half in the wall, so the part that's in the house connects the whole thing, even the other half of it, with the house. So that's how the Tumah gets into the entire house. The question though is, why doesn't the part that's in the wall connect the wall with the Tumah part that's in the house? So someone standing on top of the wall should also be Tameh. The person standing on top of the wall is standing on top of half of the Tumah. So why doesn't that connect them with the rest of the Tumah and then they become Tameh? So Rab Chaim says the answer to this is that in fact, this question is the same question later on in chapter 10, in the case where half the Tumah is under the window and half the Tumah is in the house. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, someone standing on top of the window does not become Tameh, even though they are standing on top of some part of the Tumah. So we don't combine the Tumah from inside the house with the Tumah under the window, even though it does go the other way. The entire house does become Tameh because of the small part that's inside the house. So the same question. Why is someone standing on top of the window not Tameh since they're standing on some part of the Tumah? So the answer to this is based on one of Rab Chaim's themes that he keeps revisiting in the earlier pieces, which is that there's a contradiction between Tumas Ohel and Tumah Ritsutza. They cannot coexist in the same Tumah. So that explains this case of half the Tumah in the house and half the Tumah under the window. The Tumah in the house works through Tumas Ohel. It spreads throughout the entire house anything that's under the same roof. The Tumah under the window, because it's a confined space, there is not a tefach of airspace, so that would be Tumah Ritsutza that goes up and down. So these two cannot coexist. So once the half in the house becomes Tumas Ohel, it can no 
longer be used for tumaritsutsa, and that's why anyone standing on top of the window is tahor, because there's not enough to create tumaritsutsa. So once the piece in the house is used for tumas ohel, that means that there can no longer be tumaritsutsa, and that explains this case of the wall as well. Since half of the tuma is used in the house, so that means it's being used for tumas ohel, so it no longer combines with the other half in order to be part of tumaritsutsa going up and down the wall. So anyone standing on top of the wall is now tahar. So that's exactly what the Rambam means to say using the logic of the Vilna Gaon that we consider the Tuma in this case to be split in half. Half is in the house and half is in the wall. So this is now the same case as later on in the Mishnah in chapter 10. So that's what the Rambam means to say that since the Tuma goes into the house meaning the half in the house is being used for Tumas Ohel it can no longer combine with the other piece to be used for Tumaritsutsa. So there's not enough Tuma in order to go up and down. So anyone standing on top of the wall is going to be Tahor. And now, very brilliantly, Rab Chaim adds that this explains the distinction between the wall and the roof. Because in the case of the wall, the person standing on top of it is only standing on top of half the tumma, but the half of the tumma, which is considered inside the house, they're not standing over because there there's an ohel that separates between them and the tumma. So they're only considered standing on top of half the tumma. And since we can't combine these two pieces of tumma, so there's no tumma ritsutsa in this case. But but in the case of the roof, where the person is standing over the entire tuma, even though it's true that the tuma goes down into the house, but the person standing on top of the roof is still standing over the entire tuma. And here, there's no ohel to protect him from the tuma in the bottom half because the tuma itself broke through the ohel. The ohel ordinarily would have been the roof, but in this case, the tuma overpowered the ohel because it went right through the ohel. So that's why the Rambam rules that in the case of the roof, the person standing on top of it is Tameh. But that's different than the case of the wall, where half the Tuma is in an existing Ohel of the house. So the Tuma breaking through the wall does not break down the Ohel of the house. So half of the Tuma is still in an Ohel, and the person standing on top of the wall does not become Tameh. So this explains the distinction between the wall versus the roof. In the case of the wall, the Tuma is split and half of it is in an ohel. So that's why the person on top of the wall is tahor because they're only standing over a small part versus the case of the roof where the tuma breaks through the ohel of the roof. So the person standing on top of it has no ohel to protect them from the tuma. So they're hovering over the entirety of the tuma. So therefore they're tameh. So this explains why even though the Rambam rules like the Chachamim that someone standing on the wall is tahor but someone standing on the roof is tameh. But now Rab Chaim continues with this very brilliant analysis, and he says that a careful reading of the Rambam further proves his point that this is the Rambam's approach to this halacha. Because in the case of the roof, when the tumma is on the bottom half in the direction of the house, so the Rambam explained the reason the tumma doesn't go up to someone standing on top of the roof is because since the tumma goes through the house, so it's not going to go up. But he omits that explanation in the case of the wall when the tumma is on the side of the wall closer to the house. The Rambam could have said the same thing. The reason the tumma doesn't go up through the wall is because it goes into the house, so it can't go up. But the Rambam omits that explanation. So why is there a discrepancy between the case of the roof, when the tumma's on the bottom half, that the Rambam explains since it goes into the house, it doesn't go up, but he doesn't say the same thing in the case of the wall, where the tumma's on the half closer to the house. So Rab Chaim says this very subtle difference indicates like his approach, that in the case of the wall, the reason the person's standing on top of the wall is tahor is not because the tuma goes into the house so it can't go up. It works differently because since the tuma is divided and half is considered in the house and half is considered under the wall so there's no combination of the two because the half in the house is used for tumas ohel so it's not able to combine with the half in the wall in order to create tuma ritsutsa. So it's a different emphasis. It's not because the tuma went into the house it's because the tuma is divided. But that explanation is not going to work in the case of the roof because even though the tumma is on the bottom half, 
But since there's an empty space above it, so there's no ohel that's stopping it from going upwards, so it should also go upwards. And additionally, anyone that's directly above the tumma should become tame because they're in the direct line of tumma. So even if the tumma's on the bottom half, someone standing on the roof should still become tame. So that's what the Rambam explains. The reason the person on the roof is tahor in this case is because it's similar to what the Mishnah and Perak Yud says dealing with the window. It says that if someone's standing on top of the window, if their leg was there before the tumma was under it, so they're tahor. So we see that even if someone is technically hovering over tumma, but if there's no tefach of airspace, so it's not an ohel, then the tumma's not able to travel upwards and affect the person that's on top of it. So now this also applies to the case of the wall. It must be referring to where there's not a tefach of airspace within the wall. And in the parentheses, Rab Chaim points out that if there would be a tefach airspace, so that would no longer be considered tuma belua, tuma that's swallowed in the wall. It would be considered an ohel. That's what the Raivit in chapter 24 says. So the case that we're dealing with here where the tuma's in the wall has to be where there is no tefach airspace within this wall. And that's why it's not an ohel. It's considered balua. So that's what the Rambam means to say, even though there's an opening for this Tumah to technically go upwards, but since there's not a Tefach of airspace, so it's considered Balua, it's not an Ohel, and that's why it does not continue upwards to affect anyone that's standing on top of the roof. So that's the meaning of the Rambam's explanation, that since the Tumah goes into the house, meaning it's Balua, it's not in an Ohel, so that's why anyone on top of the roof is protected from the Tumah. So now, according to Rab Chaim's interpretation, the whole reason when the Tumah's on the bottom half, the person standing on the roof is Tahor, is because since there's no Tefach airspace, so the Tumah does not go upwards, and the Ohel of the roof is able to protect the person standing on top of it from the Tumah on the bottom. But that only applies when the Tumah's on the bottom half. If the Tumah itself is 50% through the roof, so half of the Tumah itself is going Going upwards, so then the ohel of the roof is not going to stop the tumah from continuing upwards. So this explains exactly why the Rambam differentiates that in the case of the roof, if the tumah is 50% in the middle, so half of the tumah is on the upper half, so then the tumah does break through the ohel of the roof, and anyone standing on top of the tumah becomes tameh. Because even though there's no tefach of airspace, so technically the tumah should not travel further, but since half of the Tuma itself is in the upper half of the roof, so anyone standing on top of that half of the Tuma is going to become Tameh. And now Rab Chaim adds that this interpretation of the Rambam could work even within the view of the Rash. So far he's been explaining according to the Vilna Gaon that we consider the Tumah split in half. But even according to the Rash that the Tumah is all considered combined. It's just that if it's closer to the house, it goes in the direction of the house, not upwards. But even within that view, it makes sense the Rambam's distinction between the roof and the wall. Because this whole halacha of where the tumma is closer to affects the space. In other words, the issue is which space is this tumma going to connect with? But it's not a question about the tumma itself. It's very clear that the tumma is located in both of the spaces. Half of it is in the house, half of it is in the direction outside of the house. So there's no question about practically where the tumma is. The issue is which space is it going to connect with? So when the Tumah is closer to the house, it's clear that it goes into the house. When it's away from the house, so then it goes outwards. But when the Tumah is in the middle, so in the case of a roof, even the Rosh could agree with this logic that since the Tumah is clearly half towards the house and half towards the roof, so anyone standing on top of the roof is not protected from that Tumah because there's no Ohel to stop them from being considered on top of the Tumah. So they're hovering over the entire piece of Tuma. So that person definitely becomes Tameh even though half of the Tumah is located in the direction of the house, because with regards to themselves, they're hovering over the entire Tumah. So we wouldn't say in the case of the roof that the Tumah goes into the house and not upwards, and even the Rosh would agree with that idea, as opposed to when the Tumah's in the wall. So now if it's halfway in the middle, half of it connects with 
the house, which means that the tumah is being used for tumas ohel. So once it's used for ohel, it can no longer be used for ritsutsa, and that's why someone standing on top of the wall is going to be tahar. So this approach to explain the Rambam's distinction between the roof and the wall could fit even in the formulation of the rash, not only in the Vilna Gaon. For the Vilna Gaon, we said that since the wall splits the tumah, so the half of the tumah, which is being used for tumas ohel, doesn't combine with the other half. So there's not enough tumah to create tumah ritsutsa. Whereas for the rash, we would formulate it a little differently, even though the tumah is all combined together, but since the tumah is being used for tumas ohel in the house, so it's not used for tumah ritsutsa. But that's still different from the roof, where the person themselves is clearly hovering over the entire tumah, because half of the tumah is clearly in the upper part of the roof. So there's no ohel protecting against that. So once the tumah breaks the ohel, now the person's hovering over the whole tumah, so they become tame. So Rab Chaim has a very nice logical approach to explain why the Rambam differentiates between the person standing on top of the roof versus the wall. Now the problem that Rab Chaim comes to in paragraph three is that this does not fit into the earlier sources because the Tosefta said that there is a debate regarding the case of the roof. So according to the Tosefta, if the Tumah is midway through the roof and someone's standing on top of it, according to Reb Shimon, they're still Tahor. So that contradicts what Rab Chaim's been saying from a logical perspective, that in that case, everyone would agree that someone standing on top of the roof becomes Tameh. But obviously, Reb Shimon holds that in that case, the person is Tahor. So why should that be? So in order to square the Tosefta with the ruling of the Rambam, Rab Chaim suggests that when the Tosefta says that there's Tumah in the middle of the roof, it means something different than the way we've been using it up until now. The cases in the Mishnah and in the Rambam are that the Tumah is actually in the middle. So half of the Tumah goes upwards, half of the Tumah goes downward. The case in the Tosefta is different. The entire Tumah is on the lower half of the roof towards the house. So what does the Tosefta mean that it's in the middle? It means that it ends at the middle. That's also a form of saying that something's in the middle if it ends at the point of the middle. So let's say there's a roof. The Tumah goes from 30% above the house to 50% exactly above the house. So that's considered in the middle because it ends at the exact midway point. But that's different than the case in the Mishnah and the Rambam where the Tumah goes from 40% above the house to 60% above the house. So that's actually in the middle. So now the debate in the Tosefta between Reb Shimon and Reb Meir is over the issue of EF Shalitzamtzim. Can a person calculate something exactly? In other words, if someone measures something and they say that it's at exactly 50%, do we trust that their measurement was so exact that it ended at exactly 50%? Or do we not trust people's measurements because humans are prone to error? So we assume that it's not exactly at 50%. It might be 49%, it might be 51%. They're trying their hardest, but they can't get it exactly. So Reb Mayer holds EF Charlotte something. You can't measure something exactly. So even though this person thinks that the Tumah ended at exactly 50%, there's a chance that it ended a little bit up at 51%, in which case they're Tameh. So that's why Reb Mayer holds the person standing on the roof is Tameh, even though if the Tumah was totally in the lower half, they would be Tahor, but here we don't trust the measurement and we suspect that maybe the Tumah is a little bit in the higher half. And on that, Reb Shimon disagrees and he says that if the Tumah would go into the upper half even a little bit, then they would be Tameh. But since this person measured it and they said that it ended at 50%, so we trust that and they're Tahor because the Tumah is considered entirely on the lower half. So that's the debate between Reb Meir and Reb Shimon in the Tosefta, whether we trust the measurement of a person or we think they might have made an error. But everyone agrees that if the Tumah would in fact be in the upper half of the roof, then anyone standing on top of it would definitely be Tameh. So that squares with the Rambam's rulings in this case, and it doesn't contradict the view of Reb Shimon in the Tosefta. So now it comes out that the debate in the Mishnah between Reb Meir and the Chachamim and the debate in the Tosefta 
between Reb Meir and Reb Shimon are in fact two different debates. In the Mishnah, everyone agrees the something that a person can't measure exactly. So if the Tuma is anywhere in the middle, we assume there's a possibility that it's on both sides because same and still the Chachamim hold that a person standing on top of the wall is Tahor because since part of the Tuma is closer to the house, so the Tuma goes into the house and it doesn't go up the wall. So that's the view of the Chachamim and Reb Meir disagrees. He says even though the Tuma goes into the house, it also goes up in the wall. But the Tosefta is talking about a different issue. There it's talking about the roof. So everyone agrees that if part of the Tumah would be on the upper half, then someone standing on the roof is definitely Tameh. But Rab Shimon holds Efshar Litzamtzim that a person can measure something exactly. So if the person says that the Tumah is closer to the house, but it ends at exactly 50% of the way up, so according to Rab Shimon, someone standing on the roof is Tahor. And Reb Meir repeats his view and the Chachamim in the Mishnah that Efshar Litzamtzim, since we can't be sure, so in that case, someone standing on the roof is Tameh. So there's basically three views in the Tanoim. There's the Chachamim who hold Ef Shalatzamtzim, you can't measure exactly, but only someone standing on a roof is Tameh, not someone standing on a wall. Reb Meir holds Ef Shalatzamtzim, and someone standing on a wall is also Tameh. And Reb Shimon holds Ef Shalatzamtzim, but he too agrees that someone standing on the roof is Tameh. And Reb Chaim adds something unbelievable. Again, a careful reading of the Rambam shows that this is how the Rambam interpreted the Tosefta. Because in the case of the roof where the Tumah is Mechza al-Mechza, it's in the middle, the Rambam again adds an explanation for why the person standing on the roof is Tameh. You can't measure exactly. Now, if the Tumah is actually in the middle, in other words, it goes from 40% of the way through to 60% of the way through, so what does it matter whether people can measure exactly or not? It's clear that in this case, the Tumah is going through the middle of the roof. So what is the Rambam adding in this phrase, Ef which he didn't mention in any of the other cases in these halachas? Says Rab Chaim, the Rambam understood the Tosefta like him, that the case is talking about where the Tumah begins at, let's say, 30% above the house, and it finishes at 50% above the house. So when the Tosefta says that it's in the middle, it doesn't mean actually in the middle, it means that it finishes finishes at exactly the middle. So when the Rambam codifies the halacha, that the tumah is in the middle of the roof, he's including two different cases. One is when it's actually in the middle, so it goes from 40% to 60%. And the second is when it finishes in the middle, so it goes from 30% to 50%. And in both of those cases, the Rambam rules that the person standing on the roof is going to be tameh. If the tumah actually goes into the upper half, so then they're tameh because of that. And if the Tumah concludes at 50%, it's because the Rambam rules like Reb Meir that EF shall it something. So that's why the Rambam adds in the phrase that you can't measure it exactly in order to include the case of the Tosefto where the person measures the Tumah and it finishes at exactly the midway point. But since we hold EF shall it something, so the person standing on top of the roof is Tameh. So Rab Chaim's explanation of the Tosefta fits very nicely in the language of the Rambam. So this approach that Rab Chaim develops makes sense of the Rambam's rulings throughout these halachas. In the case where the Tumah is halfway through the wall, the Rambam rules that someone standing on the wall is Tahor, in line with the view of the Chachamim, the majority. When the Tumah is halfway through the roof, the Rambam rules that someone standing on the roof is Tameh, Everyone agrees to that, according to Rab Chaim's interpretation. And if the Tumah is halfway, meaning that it concludes at the midway point, but it's mostly on the side towards the house, so again the Rambam holds that the person standing on the roof is Tameh, in line with Reb Meir, which is actually the view of the majority in the Mishnah that E.F. Shalitzamtzeh. But as brilliant as this approach is, there's a question on it. Rab Chaim points out that the way he's interpreting the Tosefta, so Mechza al-Mechza doesn't mean that the Tumah is actually in the middle of the roof, it means that it concludes in the middle. So that means that in the case where the tumma is on the upper side of the roof, so it leans towards the airspace, so mechza al-mechza for that case is that it concludes at 50%. In other words, it goes from 50% above the house to 70% above the house. So it finishes at the 50% line, but all of the Tumah is more than 50% above the 
house. So this should now be the same debate between Reb Shimon and Reb Meir, according to Reb Shimon, so the Tumah does not go into the bottom half at all, so the house should be Tahor in that case. And yet, the Tosefta does not record that debate, and it says, that the house is going to be Tameh. So why, according to Reb Shimon, should the house be Tameh in that case, if Efshar same? so we assume that the entire Tumah is more than 50% above the house in the roof, so none of it should affect the house. So Rab Chaim found something fascinating, which is the Raivid has a comment on this ruling of the Rambam when the Tumah is in the middle of the roof. So the Rambam rules that the house is Tameh and the person standing on the roof is also Tameh. So, so far we've only been discussing the issue of the person standing on the roof. But the Raivid disagrees with the whole Halacha that the house is Tameh and he argues because he says this is a debate in the Tosefta. Reb Meir holds its Tameh and Reb Shimon holds its Tahor and he follows the view of Reb Shimon that even the house is Tahor. Now Reb Chaim points out that in our Tosefta's there is no such view of Reb Shimon. Our version of the Tosefta says that in the case where the Tumah is in the middle everyone agrees that the house is Tameh and the debate between Reb Meir and Reb Shimon is whether the person on the roof is also Tameh or not. So obviously the Raivit had a different version of this Tosefta in which Reb Shimon disagreed on the house itself and he says that the house is Tahor. So according to the Raivid, the Tosefta brings the case of Mechza al Mechza, the Tumas in the middle of the roof, and Reb Meir says both the house is Tameh as well as the person standing on the roof, and then Reb Shimon disagrees and he says both are Tahar, the house is Tahar and the person standing on the roof. So now we have another version of the Tosefta which says that according to Reb Shimon, not only is the person on the roof Tahar, but the house itself is also Tahar. So now says Reb Chaim, this version of the Tosefta is going to fit in perfectly with his interpretation of the Tosefta according to the Rambam. Because the case of Mechza al Mechza in the Tosefta is where the Tumah reaches 50%, but it doesn't go beyond that. So the Tosefta is referring to two different cases. One is where the Tumah is on the upper half of the roof and it reaches 50%. So there Reb Meir rules Ef Sharlitzamtzim, so the house is also Tameh, not only the roof. And Reb Shimon argues Ef Sharlitzamtzim same, so only the roof is Tameh, not the house. And that's exactly what Rab Chaim needed him to say. And then there's another case, which is where the Tumah's on the lower half, and it reaches 50%. So again, according to Reb Meir, the house and the roof are Tameh because the Efshel same. And according to Reb Shimon, only the house is Tameh, not the roof. So this version of the Tosefta fits in perfectly with Rab Chaim's interpretation, and that explains the rulings of the Rambam. Now, applying this original definition of Mechza al Mechza that Rab Chaim developed, so he answers an additional question on the Rambam. The Tosefta in Alos chapter 7 has this case. There's a wall between two houses and there's Tumah inside of the wall. So whichever house it's closest to is Tameh and the other one is Tahar. Let's say the Tumah is right in the middle. So both houses are Tameh. But Rebbe Eliezer believes that in this case it's not a full-fledged Tumas Ohel. So even though it's enough that if there's Truma in that house, it becomes Tameh and it has to be burned, it can no longer be eaten. But it's not enough that someone who was in the house and then went into the Beisam Mikdash would be punished. So according to Rabbi Eliezer, it's a lower level of Tuma. And Rabbi Eliezer's views also quoted in the Tosefta and Alos chapter 9, as well as in Nazar chapter 5, that again, there's a list of things which are not a full-fledged Tumas Ohel, one of them being when there's Tumah in the wall, but it's Mechza al-Mechza. So according to Rabbi Eliezer, even though there is Tumas Ohel in these cases, but it's not enough to punish someone for Tumas Mikdash Vekadshav if they go into the Beis Mikdash or they eat a carbon, as well as a Nazir doesn't have to shave and restart his Nazir period because of this Tumah. So those two go together. Whether a Nazir has to restart and whether someone who enters the Beis Mikdash gets punished, those two halachas are in the same category. 
Gori. So in these cases, there is Tomas Ohel, but not enough for a Nazir to have to restart and to punish someone who goes into the Beis HaMikdash. And the Yushalmi in Nazir explains that even though there is Tomas Ohel in these cases, but it's not a full Tomas Ohel. So that's why it's not enough for a Nazir and entering the Beis HaMikdash. And the Rambam repeats this idea in chapter 19 of Tomas Mace. He calls it an Ohel of Divrei Kabbalah. It's not explicit in the Torah. It's derived from the Torah. So therefore, it doesn't affect the Nazir and Tomas Mikdash Vekadshav. Now, one of the cases that Tosefta included in this list was Mechza al-Mechza, when the Tumah is in the middle of the wall, and yet the Rambam omits that case. So he never mentions that the case of Tumah in the middle of the wall is one of the cases that doesn't affect Tumas Mikdash Vekadshav and the Nazir. So why does the Rambam leave out that halacha in the Tosefta, even though he quotes other cases from that list? Says Rab Chaim very brilliantly that the Rambam interpreted the Mechza al-Mechza in this list in the Tosefta, not in the standard way, that the Tumah is actually in the middle, meaning it goes from 40% to 60%. He interpreted it in the way that Rab Chaim's been explaining it, that the Tumah finishes at the 50% line. So that's where the Tosefta says that it's not a full-fledged Tumas Ohel, because the whole issue with the house that's further away is only that possibly the person didn't measure right and the Tumah is actually on the side closer to that house. But that's only a suffix Tumah. So that's where the Tosefta says that it doesn't affect Tumas Mikdash Vikodshav and Nazir. But if the Tumah would definitely be right in the middle of both houses, so then the Rambam holds that the Halacha would be that anyone in both houses is fully in Tumas Ohel and it affects the Nazir as well as Tumas Mikdash Vikodshav. So that's why the Rambam does not include this case of Tuma in the middle, that it doesn't affect Nazir and Tumas Mikdash, because according to the Rambam, if the Tuma is actually in the middle, then it would affect both of those halachas. If the Tuma ends at the 50% line, so even though it's true that both sides of the wall, both houses are Tameh because of Yefshalitzamtzim, but in the house that's further from the Tuma, it's not going to affect Tumas Mikdash Vikodshav and Nazir, but the Rambam does not need to record that halacha in these halachas of Hilchus Tumas Mace because that's not about the Ohel. That's a separate issue. That's a question of a Suffolk Tumah. So those halachas the Rambam already recorded in Hilchus Nazirus chapter 9 and Hilchus Shkagos chapter 11, but he doesn't record the halachas of a Suffolk Tumah in Hilchus Tumas Mace. So that explains why the Rambam left out that case in the Tosefta, even though he quotes the others on the list because the other cases actually have have to do with Tomas Ohel. They're a partial Tomas Ohel, but not a full Tomas Ohel. But the case of Mechza al-Mechza, as the Rambam interpreted it, that it doesn't mean the Tomas actually in the middle. It means that it finishes at the 50% line. So that's not an issue of a partial Ohel. That's a question of Suffolk Tomah. And those halachas, the Rambam does not record in Hilchus Tomas Mace. So this explains the Rambam's omission of that halacha. So now we have another instance where the Rambam interpreted Mechza al-Mechza in the Tosefta to mean not actually in the middle, but that it reaches 50%. So based on that, we could say that's how the Rambam interpreted the Tosefta of the roof as well. It's not talking about an actual Mechzal Mechza. It's talking about when the Tumah finishes at the 50% line. Now in the fifth paragraph, Rab Chaim comes to the view of the Raivid and how he interpreted the Tosefta. So he quotes the comment that he referenced very briefly earlier. The Raivid disagrees with the Rambam that that if there's Tumah in the middle of the roof, the house is Tameh. And he writes, this is the Machlokis, Reb Meir of Reb Shimon Batosefta. Reb Meir holds the house is Tameh, but Reb Shimon disagrees with him. And the Rambam rules like Reb Meir. Now the reason for that, according to the Raivid, is based on the Mishnah of Maziva Shabain Bayis La'aliyah, if there's a floor between the attic and the ground floor. So this is not a case where the roof goes into the airspace, but it goes into another floor and attic on top of that. So the the Mishnah rules in that case that if there's Tumah in the middle of that floor, both the attic and the ground floor are Tameh. 
So according to the Raivid, the Rambam believes that this is a parallel case to the case where there's Tuma in the middle of the roof. And since the Mishnah says that the ground floor is Tameh in the first case, so in this case where there's Tuma in the roof, the house is also Tameh. In other words, the Mishnah supports Reb Meir's stringent ruling in this case. Says the Raivid, this is not so clear though that the two cases are parallel. Because in the case of the Mishnah, on top of the floor is the attic. So there's nowhere to send the Tuma where it's not going to make something Tameh. It's either going to go up and make the attic tame, or it's going to go down and make the ground floor tame. But either way, something's going to become tame, so they're both tame. But in the case where there's a roof, so on top of that is just empty air. So if we send the tuma upwards, it's not going to go down and affect the house underneath it. So says the Raivid, this could be a distinction. The Mishnah does not support Reb Meir. There's a difference between the case where there's an attic on top of the floor with Tuma in it versus if it's just empty air. And even the Mishnah might agree that in the case where there's a roof with empty air on top of it, if there's Tuma in the middle of the roof, Mechza al Mechza, so the Tuma goes up, it does not go down, and that's the view of Reb Shimon. So once there's no longer a Mishnah supporting Reb Meir's view, says the Raivid, the Halacha follows Reb Shimon's view that the house underneath the roof is Tahor, because when Reb Meir and Reb Shimon disagree, the Halacha follows Reb Shimon, and also in cases of Suffolk, we go Lakula, we follow the leniency. So the Ravid concludes that in this case, the house would be Tahor like Reb Shimon. So Rab Chaim points out that this comment of the Raivid is very clear that the Mechza al Mechza, certainly in the Mishnah's case, it means literally in the middle. Not like Rab Chaim's defining it, that it means that the Tumah concludes at the 50% line and the debate is whether Efshalit Samtseim or not. The Raivid says that whichever direction the Tumah goes, either up to the attic or down to the house, something is going to become Tameh. So it's clear that the Tumah is in the middle, in the area that's both close to the attic and close to the house, meaning it goes from 40% to 60%. So that's why in that case, whichever direction the Tumah goes in, it's going to make something Tameh. Now in the case of the roof, the Tosefta's case, so the Raivit applies a similar logic, that since the top of the roof is empty space, so the Tumah can go up there without affecting the house. So again, it sounds like the Tumah could have gone down into the house, but according to Reb Shimon, since it can go up in into the air, it does not go down into the house. But that sounds like the Tumah is in the middle, literally, not that it concludes at the 50% line, in which case it would be closer either to the top of the roof or to the house part. So then it would be clear in which direction to channel the Tumah. The fact that we're playing around with where to send the Tumah indicates that the Tumah is in the middle of the roof. It could go in either direction. And according to Reb Meir, it goes both down and up. And according to Reb Shimon, it goes only up. But says Rab Chaim, there's a problem with this interpretation because the Mishnah has a case where there's Tumah in the middle of the wall and it says very clearly that according to everyone, both Reb Meir and the Chachamim, the house is Tameh. So even though there's a dispute about the person standing on top of the wall, but the house itself is certainly Tameh. So how's that any different than the Raivid's case of the Tumah in the middle of the roof where according to Reb Shimon, even the house is Tahor because we send the Tumah up into space and not into the house. So the same should be true in the case of the wall. If there's no house on the other side, there's just empty space. So send the Tumah outwards and not into the house. But the Mishnah explicitly says that according to everyone, the house is Tameh. So how's the Ravid going to differentiate between the case of the roof in the Tosefta and the case of the wall in the Mishnah, why the house shouldn't be Tameh if there's Tumah in the roof? So to explain the view of the Ravid, Rab Chaim explains that there are two aspects to this halacha of the Tumah in the middle of the wall. One is that the Tumah is considered split. So half the Tumah belongs to one side and the other half belongs to the other side. And that's clearly the halacha because any Tumah that's on a specific side, so if the Tumah was clearly on the side closer to the house, then it would definitely go into the house. So the same is true of this Tumah in the middle since it's considered split in half. The side that's closer 
to the house definitely goes to the house, and the other side definitely goes outside the house. And Rab Chaim proves this with a thought experiment. Let's say there was another small piece of Tumah in the house, which could combine with the half of Tumah in the wall closer to the house. So they would definitely combine in order to make the whole house Tameh. Likewise, if there was a small piece of Tumah outside the house, which could combine with the piece in the wall closer to the outside, so those would also combine, and anyone standing on top of the wall would be Tameh. And everyone's going to agree to that. Both Reb Meir, Reb Shimon, the Chachamim, everyone has to agree that if there's another bit of Tumah to combine with the piece in the wall, so the half that's closest to it is going to combine according to everyone. Then there's another aspect to this halacha, and that is, can we combine the two halves of the Tumah even though they belong to different sides. So that's where there's a debate between Reb Meir and the Chachamim in the case of the wall, and Reb Shimon and Reb Meir in the case of the roof. Can we take two pieces of Tumah which belong to two different sides and combine them and channel them in the same direction? So that's where there's a whole debate in this halacha. So basically there's two aspects to this halacha of Tumah in the middle of the wall or the roof. There's the aspect that each side belongs to the area that it's closest to and that everyone agrees to and then there's another aspect can the two sides combine and be channeled towards creating Tumah and that's a debate so now using this Rab Chaim says we can differentiate according to the Raivid between the case of the wall versus the roof because Rab Chaim explains that conceptually there's a difference between how the wall blocks the Tumah versus how the roof stops the Tumah the wall is not an Ohel in that it blocks the Tumah from going further. It just divides the Tumah in half, so part of it belongs inside the house, part of it belongs to the outside area, and since it's not a Tefach airspace, so there's no Ohel, so nothing combines these two pieces together. So now there's not enough on either side to make it Tameh, and in addition, since the wall split the Tumah to two different spaces, they don't combine through the two different spaces. So that's how the wall stops the Tumah from going further. But that's different than the roof, which is actually an Ohel, so it blocks the Tumah from continuing onwards like any Ohel. Since the Tumah is in this tent, it does not go onwards. So this is similar to a distinction that we've seen in previous pieces of Rab Chaim, that an Ohel actively blocks the Tumah from progressing further because it's a barrier, versus other things that create a different space, so the Tumah does not go into the next space, but it's done passively because since the Tumah is in one space, it doesn't end up in the other space. So Rab Chaim is making a similar distinction, but different. The wall here is not an Ohel, and it's precisely because it's not an Ohel that the Tumah doesn't combine. If it was an Ohel, then the two different pieces could combine. But since it's not an Ohel, and it just split the Tumah in half, so therefore the pieces don't combine and they don't travel further. As opposed to an Ohel, which actually combines the pieces, but then it blocks them from going further because they're in this Ohel, so they don't travel beyond it. So the wall doesn't so much affect the traveling of the Tumah, but it does carve up different spaces, whereas the Ohel affects the actual status of the Tumah itself. And the proof for this, says Rab Chaim, is from one of his favorite Mishnahs that he's used a few times before in the 10th chapter of Alos, in the case where there's a house and a window, and there's Tumah that's half under the house and half under the window. So Rab Yossi rules that if there's enough Tumah, that if it was cut in half, the house would be Tameh, and under the window would be Tameh, so then both spaces are Tameh. But if there's a minimum measurement, so there's not enough for both places, then the house is Tameh, but someone that's on top of the Tumah is not Tameh. So Rab Chaim asks his classic question, why should someone hovering over the Tumah not be Tameh if the halacha in general is that someone who hovers over a small piece of Tumah, it combines with the rest of the Tumah to make them Tameh. So let's say someone hovered over a small part of a dead body, they would still become Tameh from the rest of the body. So the same should be true here. Hovering over a small part of the Tumah should combine with the rest of the Tumah in the house and the person should become Tameh. 
So Rab Chaim answers that since the Tumah is being used for the Tumas Ohel of the house, not only does that spread the Tumah throughout the house, it also blocks it from being used that the person who hovers over it becomes Tameh. So that Tumah is now used in an Ohel, and that Ohel protects it from going beyond that, so someone who hovers over a small part of the Tumah does not combine that Tumah with the rest of the Tumah, which is being used for Tumas Ohel, and therefore they don't become Tameh. So we see from this analysis that according to the Mishnah, hovering over a small piece of Tumah would ordinarily combine with the rest of the Tumah unless the other part of the Tumah is under an Ohel which blocks it from combining. So now coming back to the wall with Tumah in the middle of it, since the wall is not an Ohel, so if someone hovers over a small piece of Tumah in the wall or if it's part of a larger Ohel, so that should automatically combine with the other side of the Tumah in the wall because only an actual Ohel would stop the two Tumahs from combining. In this case, the wall is clearly not an Ohel, so it doesn't prevent the two Tumahs from combining. So if someone is in an Ohel with even one side of the Tumahs, that's going to combine with the other side of the Tumah. So now, based on this, says Rab Chaim, there's a clear distinction between the floor and the wall. In the case of the wall between two houses and there's Tumah in the middle, so each side of the Tumah belongs to a different one of the houses. So since the houses are in an Ohel with one half of the Tumah, and the wall doesn't block the Tumah from combining, so both houses are Tameh because each of them is in Ohel over half of the Tumah, which then combines with the other half of the Tumah. So each house has an Ohel with the full Tumah in it. So since the wall is not an actual Ohel, it doesn't prevent the Tumas from combining, and that explains why each house with half the Tumah in it becomes Tameh. But that's not going to work in the case of the roof, because that is an Ohel. So that should block the Tumah from going further. So if there's two houses on top of each other, and there's a floor between them, and there's Tumah in the floor, if it's on the lower half, it should only go downwards, but the floor should protect the Tumah from going upwards. And if the tumah is on the upper half, it should go up, but the bottom part of the floor should protect it as an ohel from going downstairs. So in the case of the ma'aziva, the floor between two houses, if the tumah is right in the middle, it should be that both the upstairs and the downstairs are tahor, because since the tumah is split in half, and each side only has a half in its ohel, and they don't combine because there's a real ohel between them, so both the upstairs and the downstairs should be Tahar. So the answer to why they're both Tameh is in the Ravid's language. The Ravid formulates this new idea that we channel all of the Tumah in one direction. So what the Ravid means to say is even though the Tumah in the floor is divided and each half is not going to make the upstairs or the downstairs on its own Tameh, but we combine the Tumah and send it in a specific direction. So if there's an attic and a ground floor, whichever direction we send it in, there's going to be Tumah, so they're both Tameh. But if there's airspace on top of the roof, so we send it upwards, not downwards, so the house remains Tahar. But this whole concept of channeling the Tumah in one direction only applies in the case of a ma'aziva, a roof, because if not for that, there's going to be no Tumah at all, because the Tumah was divided, and there's an Ohel in between, so it can't combine the two different sides. But in the case of a wall, where there is no Ohel, Ohel between the two sides of Tumah. So the wall divides the Tumah, but each side that's under an Ohel combines with the other side to create Tumah in its Ohel. So there we don't need this concept of channeling the Tumah in a specific direction because each Ohel that has a small part of the Tumah in it, since the wall is not an Ohel to divide the Tumah, so that Tumah combines with the rest of the Tumah and it creates Tumah within its Ohel. So that's why the Ravid whole discussion is only in the case of the floor. In the case of the wall, it's clear that if the Tumah is closer to the house, then the house is definitely Tameh. And if the Tumah is in the middle, then both houses on either side are Tameh. That works just from the general rules of Tumah. But in the case of the floor, there's an added component since the floor is an actual Ohel. So there should be 
no tuma on the upper part or the lower part. So the fact that the Mishnah says there is Tuma throughout the whole house, so according to the Raivid, that sounds like initially the view of Reb Meir, that the Tuma goes down into the house, but then the Raivid says there's a way to differentiate, because this is all based on the idea that we channel the Tuma in a specific direction. So it could be when there's an attic and a ground floor, the Tuma goes in both directions, but when there's airspace on top of the roof, we send the Tuma upwards, so the house remains Tahor. So that's Reb Chaim's explanation for the approach. Now, in the final paragraph, Rab Chaim clarifies what the Rosh in his commentary on the Mishnah, which approach he follows. So the Rambam, as we saw, holds that in a case of Mechza al Mechza, where the Tumah is in the upper and the lower half, so that breaks through the Ohel. There's no Ohel that can prevent the Tumah in that case from going downwards as well as upwards. So the reason both up and down are Tameh is because the Ohel is useless since the Tumah is itself is in the space closer to both of them. In other words, an ohel cannot stop the tumah itself once it's in the area closer to either the house or the upstairs. That's how the Rambam understands the stringency of mechza al mechza. Now, the view of Reb Shimon in the Tosefta that the house and on top of the roof is tahor in such a case, so Reb Chaim explained that's not actually mechza al mechza. That's not where the tumah is in the middle. It's talking about where the tumah completes in the middle. So it fits Finishes at the 50% line. There, Reb Shimon disagrees because he holds Efshalitzamtzim and Reb Meir holds Efshalitzamtzim. But everyone agrees that if the Tumma would actually be in the lower half of the roof or the upper half of the roof, so then it certainly overpowers the Ohel. Now, the Raivid, according to the way Reb Chaim explained him, it becomes clear that he disagrees with this essential point of the Rambam. And according to the Raivid, even if the Tumma is in the side closer to the house or closer to the upstairs, still the Ohel overpowers it because the Ohel divides the Tumah in half and it prevents it from combining. So in the case of Mechza al Mechza, the Ohel splits this Tumah in half and the upper part of the floor protects the upstairs from the bottom part of the Tumah and the bottom part of the floor protects the downstairs from the upper part of the Tumah. So accordingly, there should be no Tumah in that case because the Ohel should protect both the upstairs and the ground floor. So the Raivit explained that it's all based on this idea of Shadinanle, this new concept that we throw the Tumah in a certain direction. So the Halacha combines the Tumah and channels it in a certain direction, even though technically under the laws of Ohel, it should block the two parts of the Tumah from combining. So there should be no Tumah on either floor. But Shadinanle is a new concept that overcomes the barrier of the Ohel, and it means that the Tumah goes in whichever direction direction the Torah channels it. Now that only applies, as Rab Chaim explained, to the case of a floor. In the case of the wall, both sides of the wall are going to become Tameh. But in the case of the floor, according to Reb Shimon, if there's no upper level, so the Tumah goes upwards and not into the house. Now the question is, what does the Rash hold about all this? Because the Rash has a third view different from both the Rambam and the Raivid. In the case where the roof goes to open air, so according to the Rambam, the Tumah goes both upwards and downwards because since the Tumah itself is in the upper half and lower half of the roof, so there's no Ohel to block it in either direction, so it goes up and down. According to the Raivid, it only goes upwards but not downwards because the Halacha of Shadinanle is that the Tumah directs up, but it does not go into the house. So according to the Raivid, upwards is Tameh and the house itself is Tahor. Now the Rash has the exact opposite view, because his girsa in the Tosefta is that according to Reb Shimon, the house is Tameh, but the roof is Tahor. So the Tumah only goes down, it does not go up. So basically, we have a three-way debate. According to the Rambam, both the roof and the house are Tameh. According to the Raivid, the roof is Tameh and the house is Tahor. And according to the Rash, the roof is Tahor and the house is Tameh. So how do we explain conceptually the view of the Rash? So Rab Chaim says, obviously the Rash does not agree with the conceptual framework of the Rambam because if he holds that the Tumah itself breaks the Ohel, so since the Tumah is in the upper half of the roof, there is no way for the roof itself to be Tahar. Now, according to the Rambam, Rab Chaim explained that the case of the Tosefto where the roof is Tahar is when the Tumah ends at 50%, but it doesn't go 
into the upper half at all. But according to the Rosh, the case is where the Tumah is in the upper half. So if the roof is Tahor, it must be he disagrees with the Rambam on this point and he holds that the Ohel protects even if the Tumah itself breaks through it. So on this key issue, when the Tumah itself breaks through the Ohel, whether the Ohel overpowers the Tumah or not, the Rosh must agree with the Raivid that the Ohel does overpower the Tumah and that's why the roof is Tahor even though the Tumah is in the upper half. But then the question becomes, why is the house Tameh? Because according to the Raivid, the Ohel on the bottom should also protect the house from the Tumah in the upper half. So why, according to the Rosh, is the house below Tameh? Now, the Raivid suggested Shadinanle as a new concept, but the Rosh might not hold of that. So Rab Chaim suggests that there's two formulations to explain the view of the Rosh. One is that the Rosh holds that the roof is only an Ohel on the upper half. So it blocks the Tumah from progressing further, but it's not an Ohel on the bottom part because the definition of an Ohel is really something that's on top of the Tumah. So in this case where the Tumah is halfway through the roof, the top part of the roof blocks the Tumah in the bottom half of the roof from going upwards, just the way the Raivid described it, that the roof cuts the Tumah and it blocks the bottom part of Tumah from affecting the roof. So that's why the upper half of the roof is an Ohel to protect the person standing on the roof. But the bottom part of the roof is not an Ohel to protect the house, so the Tumah does combine and go downwards. So basically, the Rosh agrees overall with the idea of the Raivid, but he limits the concept of this Ohel only to the upper half of the roof, not the bottom half of the roof. Whereas the Raivid holds that both the upper and lower part of the roof are both in Ohel, so it blocks the Tumah from going up and down, if not for the new concept of Shadinanle, which focuses the Tumah upwards and not downwards. So that's why, according to the Rosh, the house is Tameh, because there's no Ohel on the bottom to protect it. But the roof is Tahor because the upper part of the roof is an Ohel to protect the roof on top of it. Whereas the Raivid who holds of Shadinanle, so according to him, the Tumah goes up to the roof and not down to the house. So the house is Tahor and the roof is Tameh. So that's one way to explain where the Rosh deviates from the Raivid's framework. The second formulation that Rab Chaim suggests is that the Rosh fully accepts of the Raivid's whole idea. That the roof is an Ohel to protect the top and the bottom from the Tumah inside. So really the Tumah shouldn't travel in either direction if not for the concept of Shadinanle. So the Rosh fully agrees with the conceptual framework of the Raivid, but the detail that he differs on is that according to the Raivid, the Shadinanle goes upwards, whereas according to the Rosh, it goes downwards. So that's why the house is Tameh and the roof is Tahar. So in the first formulation of the Rosh, he's sort of in the middle between the Rambam and the Raivid. He agrees with the Raivid that an Ohel protects even if the is inside of that space, but he limits the Ohel in that case only to the upper half, not the bottom half. So that's somewhat similar to the Rambam, that the bottom half no longer functions as an Ohel, even though it's a different theoretical framework. In this second formulation, the Rosh agrees much more strongly with the Raivid, with his whole conceptual framework, except interestingly, the Raivid holds that the Shadinanle goes upwards, and the Rosh holds that it goes downwards. So this is Rab Chaim's piece to explain the approach of the Rambam versus the Raivid and a little bit the Rash at the end, how they interpret the halacha of Tumah that's inside a wall or a roof, specifically if it's right in the middle, and how the wall and the roof are different in this regard. The key conceptual idea is the distinction between the Rambam and the Raivid's understandings of this halacha. According to the Rambam, if Tumah is right in the middle, so it's both in the upper half and lower half of the roof, so it breaks the Ohel, so now now there's no Ohel to protect either the top part or the bottom part because the Tumah overpowers the Ohel in that case. But that's different than when the Tumah is in the wall because even though it breaks through the wall, but since at least half the Tumah is within a house, so that's an existing Ohel, so it doesn't overpower that Ohel. So it becomes part of the Ohel that it's in and it's separated from the other piece of Tumah. So there's an element in which the wall is stronger 
than the roof, even though the wall is not an actual ohel, because since at least one side of the tumah is in its own ohel, it's separated from the other piece and they don't combine, which is not true of a roof where they do combine and so they overpower the ohel. The rivet understands the whole thing almost the opposite, that in the case of the roof, the ohel overpowers the tumah because it splits it in half and it prevents either side from traveling to the other one. So the ohel does protect both the top and the bottom, and that's different than the case of the wall, where since it's not an ohel, it does not split between the two sides of the tumah. So if there's an ohel on either side of the tumah, it combines with the other one and it imparts tumah. So the Rambam and the Raivit have two very different perspectives on this halacha, and in many ways they're the opposite. According to the Rambam, there's more of an ohel in the case of the wall, because half the tumah is within a house, as opposed to the case of the roof, where the ohel is broken. According to the Raivid, the case of the roof, the ohel overpowers the tumah, but since there's no ohel in the wall, so it doesn't split the tumah.